Hello everyone. Before we start today's podcast, some exciting news for you. You can experience the Inside Politics podcast live in Dublin on May 16th when Hugh Linehan, Jennifer Bray and I will be joined by Cliff Young of Ipsos, one of America's top pollsters, to talk about the US election, our own local and European elections and much more. It's a breakfast event kicking off at 8am in Trinity College. If you'd like to attend, you can get tickets at irishtimes.com forward slash events. That's irishtimes.com forward slash events. I hope we see lots of you there. You're listening to the Irish Times Inside Politics podcast. Hello there and you're very welcome to this special bonus additional politics podcast from the Irish Times. I'm Hugh Linehan. With me in studio today are Deputy Political Editor Pat Leahy and Political Correspondent Fia Kelly. And we have dragged them in today to discuss what is traditionally the biggest parliamentary set piece of the political year. Next Tuesday afternoon, Minister for Finance Michael Noonan and Minister for Public Expenditure Pascal Donoghue will deliver Budget 2017. And by this stage, the speculation, rumour, kite flying and leaks have hardened into a pretty firm notion of what they're going to be saying. The consensus in today's Irish Times, Pat, is that this is going to be one of the most rubbish budgets ever seen. There's a weak budget from a weak government, says Noel Whelan on the opinion pages. The lead story in our business section has the central bank's chief economist saying stimulus is a really bad idea in the current climate. And then we have another economist, John Fitzgerald, devoting an entire column to the stupid things that the government is going to do and the sensible things it's going to avoid doing. To, to which I really have nothing further to add. So with that, we'll Thank you. see you all next week. We, we hope you enjoyed our podcast. <laughs> um, I, I think uh, there will be lots to criticise in uh, next week's budget. There will be lots to welcome for people who will uh, see their circumstances eased, if only uh, marginally, by the giveaways that will be in the budget, whether it be in tax or in greater welfare spending or greater... Public, uh, public spending. About a um, bit more than a billion, we think now, maybe up to 1.2 billion will be Michael Noonan's, Michael Noonan's bottom drawer. Um, it, uh, it, it, it came from. It's a calculation of the uh, calculation, fake of the story in this morning's paper. He's probably better qualified to talk about a calculation of the fiscal space that has increased by, uh, by 200, 200 million. I think that that was probably always likely, even though the EU fiscal rules under which the fiscal space is calculated are complex. They're not entirely rigid. And if you talk to officials who are responsible for talking to the European Commission about them, there's always a bit of wriggle room because the European Commission, albeit that it likes to regard itself as a uh, strictly rules-based organisation, operates in the political realm. The government operates, uh, any national government, the Irish government especially, operates in an even more hyper-political realm than does the European uh, Commission. The budget is going to be more than 1.2 billion, by the way. That's just the stuff that we will find out on the day. The, the increase, the, the total size in the bu- budget package, when you take the tax, inc- tax cuts that will be announced on, uh, on Tuesday and the additional public spending, the Fiscal Council estimates will be about 2.5 billion uh, or so. It's just just that a lot of that has been pre-announced and has been written into the base. Things like the cost of paying public service pay increases under the Lansdowne Road Agreements, that's 300 million. Things like the cost of demographics in health and pensions and, so, and, and education. They're already 
going to be put into the base to, 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 to lapse into the jargon. It's the unannounced stuff that we will get to hear of on Tuesday. Sophia, the, the extra 200 million, is that a sort of a bit of sharp practice which you'd sort of expect from somebody in Michael Noonan and Pascal Donoghue's position yeah. where they're there, they're, they're, they're playing hardball, they're saying that's it, that's all their money there is and then when you get to the sharp point of finally nailing down the numbers they say, well, there's a little bit of Yeah, it's kind of always been the way, like that there's always a bit more money found in the days before a budget and I think the glorious phrase was used last night um, where did they find it from savings <laughs> savings haven't been yes. outlined where it is <clears throat> it's as like elastic as you want it to be like Michael Noonan will say I'm going to raise X amount of money from hiking up the price of cigarettes but she can nearly pull that number out of the air because it doesn't really mean anything so they found this extra 200 million from somewhere as Pat is right it's not as hard and fast as people would expect I think at one stage yes evening it was going towards 1.3 uh, but people took a step back and said, that's not a good idea. We will get hammered by the Fiscal Advisory Council and others for being too uh, generous. So I think the 1.2 was where it landed. And there was talk in recent weeks that they probably would end up there, 1.2, when everything was thrown into the mix. But the political aspect of it, I think, has been interesting in that most of the... Michael Noonan found a bit more for himself to give himself a bit more money to spend on USC cuts directed at that 5.5% rate, which affects people up to 70 grand. Uh, maybe it's not unconnected to the fact that there were grumblings within Fine Gael that what is this budget for? Is there anything in this for our voter? And perhaps Noonan felt a bit of pressure to respond to those criticisms. Right. There's also, there, there, there's a revenue raising method in every budget um, which uh, is through non-indexation. It used to be that in the good old days, uh, which you may recall. Um, oh, I, I sure do. Tax bans were usually were indexed automatically. So the tax bans would go up with inflation. The point at which you began paying tax and then went into the higher rate would rise with inflation. And that has been discontinued since the good old days became the bad old days. And uh, Michael Noonan quite... Um, has been quite public about this that he won't um, that he won't index the tax bans so automatically. All, so all he those workers who, so who are looking are getting three percent or something or four yeah, percent over the next year, you, they're going to deliver a bit more tax to the overall pot. Exactly, and 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 that is actually kind of a true stealth tax mm. because it's almost unnoticed that that people end up paying slightly more tax in in certain circumstances when they uh, when they cross the threshold. I remember when the water charges came out first, people were decrying it in the doll as a stealth tax. Uh, if so, it must have been the least stealthy stealth tax in the history of stealth taxes. But non-indexation is a proper stealth tax because it's not announced, it's not, uh, it's not immediately visible, but it does raise, uh, it does raise extra revenue for the, uh, for the government. And in a condition uh, or in a situation that the current government is in where tax revenues are outperforming, then the expected boost from non-indexation may be bigger. So he will have a little bit more tax revenue. So in regard to something like the USE cuts, which are, which are the effect of which is going to be pretty minimal for most of those you know middle-income Fine Gael voters, which which, which Fiac was was referring to. Um, what's the benefit? You have a big piece uh, this weekend about budgets past and budgets present. And one of the things that jumped out at me from it was that, you know, you don't get much thanks for these things, no matter how generous you've been. In fact, you point out that even in the the, the halcyon McCreevy days, uh, the, the Fianna Fáil government of the day was actually extremely unpopular at the time when he was given money away. The second, the second Fianna Fáil, the second administration led by Bertie Hearn was unpopular for most of its uh, life. People kind of forget that, despite the fact that he was... Um, uh, that he was cutting tax 
taxes, though not in the the, the budgets of at the end of 2002 and 2003 because people forget now there was a post 9-11 uh, tech bubble crash slowdown in the uh, in the world economy and the unpopularity of that and the history lesson shortly but that unpopularity of that government 2002-2007 stemmed from a range of what were called cuts at the time but actually weren't cuts what they were is reductions in the amount by which spending was supposed to increase um, after the 2002 election because Charles Charlie McCreevy pumped extra spending into the system before the 2002 election. That's a rather long-winded way of saying that uh, the it, it isn't a surefire route to political popularity simply to cut taxes and raise spending because the second Fianna Fáil government between 2002-2007 did that and remained unpopular right up to the end. Oh, oh. What it does, though, is it perhaps gives you uh, an identity over the longer term so that that can be deployed at election time, which is probably what happened in 2007 when Fianna Fáil, despite being unpopular, made this late comeback in the campaign um, uh, to secure a, a third term for Bertie Ahern. But politicians have this. This happens every year. Politicians have this idea, government politicians principally, that a budget, if they can give away some money, will immediately make them popular. It almost never happens. What happens actually is people say, geez, I only got three euros or five euros a week. After all, they had led me to believe they were going to shower me with uh, munificence. And, uh, and budgets can often backfire in that way. Where they do tend to have a political effect is that when it comes to election after five budgets or 10 budgets in which people have been made wealthier, then uh, that gives the incumbent government party or parties a chance to trade on that. And that's but really why Bertie Ahern won three general elections in a row. It's one of the principal reasons. But as to a short-term turnaround in political um, uh, in, in political fortunes for a government, it almost never happens. No, and you remember last year that the argument <clears throat> the Labour Party put forward for not having an election in November was they wanted to wait for the budgetary measures to kick in and to take effect in people's pockets in January clearly did not happen. They were waiting for this rainbow on foot of budgetary changes that never appeared. But I think Pat's point that he makes in his piece in the Weekend Review is, 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 a, is a very good one as well, that it gives you an identity, it sends a signal to the people you want to support you about your priorities and that, you know, we are the party that will do X, Y and Z, that will prioritise the self-employed, that will cut taxes, that will increase public sending, insert whatever you want there. But I think it, it, it is valuable in that in that regard that it kind of says something about those who are in power and the risk with this budget is it's not saying something that's very coherent. But that's because it can't, because it's not coherent. It's not coherent. That's the exact point of it. Uh, and that if you were a Fine Gael, if you were a Fine Gael member, one of the very interesting findings in our opinion poll this week was the question about whether do you think uh, this new arrangement the confidence supply uh, arrangement uh, is good for the country and the only cohort of voters said no, we're Fine Gael voters so they're looking around and saying is our identity, is our political identity represented in this budget, it doesn't seem so and perhaps he is a serial malcontent but John DC this week gave I suppose uh, gave expression to those views when he said this is a dog's dinner of a budget, there's nothing in it for us. So I think there is a bit of a danger there that if that takes hold over a number of budgets and Fine Gael voters look, or Fine Gael supporters and members say what is the point of us being in government because they can't give expression to their beliefs 
in a budget. Well, when we look into the crystal balls which have been supplied by you two and many other political journalists over the last few weeks as about what's actually going to be announced on Tuesday, there are some things there. Maybe they're just not big enough either, but we're talking, we hear about reductions in capital gains tax. Mm. We hear about a grant to first-time buyers, which is being widely ridiculed and, and, and attacked, but let's leave that as, you know, aside for the moment. And some easing of the, uh, of the upper limit on inheritance tax. All of those things, Pat, would be uh, thought of as attractive to fin- the core Fine Gael vote, wouldn't they? Yeah, I would have thought so. There'll also be um, a childcare package in there as well, which I think will get a lot of attention on the day. So there will be things in this budget. In a way, you know, all, all budgets are exercises in compromise with disparate parties. Mm. Now, normally, you know, those parties are around the cabinet table and, the, you know, the, the compromise that are made are between cabinet ministers. It's slightly different this time because the cabinet ministers, that the Fine Gael, the two, the twin finance ministers, if you like, finance minister Michael Noonan and public expenditure, Minister Pascal Dunne, must deal with, are not their colleagues in their own party, not just their colleagues in their own party, are colleagues in a, in a coherent uh, a coherent coalition partner. There is independence from a couple of different camps uh, around the cabinet table who are new to this process, and um, and they have to deal with them. They also how's, have how's to balance. Go- how's that going? Quite well, it seems so far. Although it has led to a change in how um, the, the mechanics of the budget, like recent years, and even. The, the worst was McCreevy when he'd barely tell the Taoiseach what was in his budget. But recent years, there would have been discussion at EMC level, would have been Michael Noonan, Brendan Howlin. Ministers kind of knew their own department, didn't have an overall view of the budget. They were pretty much informed the morning of in the cabinet meeting. That cannot happen now. Last night's budget was to avoid a situation where the two finance ministers went into cabinet next Tuesday morning and the independents um, kicked up about it and delayed the whole process. So it seems to be going relatively okay. Um, most of the independents are largely happy with what they've been given. What about the situation between Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil? I mean, you've just come from a mm. Fianna Fáil presentation. It must be requires certain soft shoe shimmy on the part of Fianna Fáil to kind of say, this is ours, but it's not ours, but we've had some input into yeah, it. Yeah, they, they provided... They, they, the they right provided, et cetera, et cetera. They provided a briefing document which showed how their priorities were going to be reflected in the budget, but they're at the same time stressing that we will be critiquing this budget, that we will let it through, but we will offer a critique of where we feel things could be improved upon. Um, They're in a very uh, awkward situation. This is going to be the big test of confidence supply over the coming week. Um, The first time is probably going to be the most difficult in the mechanics of it, although you'll have perhaps further arguments next year over the level of money to be spent. But... It'll be easy on Tuesday, I suppose, because they'll go in, they'll let the budget through, they'll abstain. But then the reaction of their members, first of all, that if they're getting criticised in constituencies on local radio about things that aren't in the budget or things that uh, should be in the budget, and then that filters up to the parliamentary party, and then what way did the parliamentary party react? What did the leadership say? So I think from the week we're going to enter into, it's going to be very interesting that if Fianna Fáil can manage to get through this week, I think it will probably give you hope that the government could last a number of budgets? It's certainly, I think, in Fianna Fáil's interests, it has decided that it must do this budget. Whatever the next one or the one after that, I think the judgment that the Fianna Fáil leadership has made is that they must be seen to try and make this work and that means they've got to get this budget through. So even if they're not 100% happy with everything in it, I think they will have to uh, grin and bear it. I add one caveat to that and uh, it's true of every budget that the government party or parties are terrified of a landmine 
mm. going on underneath them. You know, um, something becomes apparent the evening of the budget or the following day that ministers weren't really aware of the effect of changes they had made. And that can happen with both austerity budgets and uh, it, it, it happened with one or two of the Fine Gael Labour budgets in the early part of the last government. But it can also happen with budgets that are giveaway budgets, including mm. budgets which are big giveaway budgets. I mean, a million years ago, uh, when McCreevy was finance minister of one of his first budgets, he introduced tax equalisation, um, uh, which blew up on them uh, uh, that evening. It was an equalisation of treatment of working... Single people and married people. Exactly. Yeah. And um, George Lee, I think the then RT economics correspondent, uh, gave a very forceful critique of the budget, that particular aspect of the budget that evening on 6 o'clock, uh, six o'clock news. And within a couple of days, the government had backed down. H- however, that, I mean, that was actually quite a dramatic reform or a change or whatever you want to characterise it and as Fieke mm. said earlier it was probably brought in in a suitcase by Charlie McGreevy without anybody else seeing it that's unlikely to happen that's, th- those, those days are gone mm. I think and the confidence supply agreement has the no surprises clause and Fianna Fáil are adamant that that must hold that there must be no surprise in this they've been dealing with Michael Noon and Pascal Dunhu and senior people in in, uh, in Fine Gael. What about something like all that talk that was floating around for the last 24 hours about deferring social welfare increases? That's going or something. to happen. That, 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 that is going to happen, yeah. is it? They're That's going, going to, to happen. Um, interesting, interestingly, uh, that, that basically, in order to, to get a higher uh, pension payment, so there's top at a fiver, to, to be able to do that and do other things like carers, that you would not introduce the welfare increase until... March or April. Uh, now, the interesting thing is Fianna Fáil put up a bit of a straw man at their press conference saying they would absolutely not stand over a situation where people who are fully deserving of a welfare increase would have to wait until July for this to happen. And then the question was, yeah, but what about February or April? No, oh, no, 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 we couldn't possibly preempt it, but it is going to happen. Delayed payments is until... Is that not going to cause any grief? It doesn't seem so. Fianna Fáil seem okay with it. Uh, it actually happened in the 80s. There is precedent for it. It happened in the 80s that you would pre-announce something and then you would delay introducing it. Yeah. Well, most, so I'm, most, I'm surprised most that it happened changes. in the 80s is a good rationale yeah. for anything, actually, at this yeah, but, stage. But a, lot of, a lot of tax changes, I mean, it's not that unusual as a, as a, sure. as a measure. So a lot of tax changes wouldn't come into place until well, it used to be, it was later always on April in the year. April or, yeah. or, or, or whatever. Yeah. So, so, so there is that, that, that kind of a change. It's, it's, a, it's hard back to the, the days of a December budget. So like, you know, if you announce in December, you'd have a couple of months, but it's different now because it's October and you have to wait till April. What about the criticism that's there, as I said at the outset, Pat, in, in Noel's column today and also in John Fitzgerald's column, in a, in a way, couched in a sort of somewhat different manner, really, that this is a kind of a uh, meh, as an M-E-H, kind of a budget, which is not going to, you know, progress the nation in the way that it could be progressed when it comes to things like delivering a better health system, a better education system, a better system of government that is just trundling along because the government is kind of neutered or emasculated or unable to do anything really. I I think it is rather too much to expect of a single budget by any government or especially a government uh, in the circumstances that this one finds itself in in the circumstances that the electorate have put it in, uh, to expect them to reform the health service in one budget or to reform the education 
uh, sector in uh, in one budget. To be fair to, to, be fair to be both of those people, they're not saying that they're saying, but I think they're arguing that certain moves might be made in terms, for example, rationalising certain, in the case of John Fitzgerald's column, I'm speaking from memory and I'm paraphrasing, but rationalising more certain centres of excellence for certain types of medical treatment as has been done already with cancer and that that won't happen because of local interests. Uh, that's a bigger argument about how actually about how the state is run as much as about mm. how the health service mm. uh, is is run. I'm not sure a budget is necessarily the place. It is true that certain certain reforms in the way you do public services can be incentivized by the budget. That can be uh, dangerous as much as, not all uh, dangerous as much as a good idea. Not all big reforms are, uh, are good ideas. Remember decentralization, which itself was pulled out of, um, I was going to say something else there, pulled out of, pulled out of, uh, Charlie McCreevy's back pocket uh, because in the in the budget at the end of 2002 mm. was a 2003 budget at the end of 2002 because uh, he had no big tax cuts or spending increases to uh, to ad- to advertise in that budget because the fiscal circumstances didn't allow for it so he introduced uh, a decentralization package which delighted Fianna Fáil backbenchers on the night I seem to recall and turned out to be a disaster for both for the public finances and for public service. So, you know, not all big reforms pulled out on of, of public services pulled out on budget day um, are good ideas. If I went into a bookies um, today, Fiek, uh, what odds would I get in this being Michael Noonan's last budget? I'd say pretty unbackable odds. There'd be no point in putting a bet down. I'm pretty sure it's his final budget. Um, it seems to be that he will depart, if not before Enda Kenny departs, then certainly when Enda Kenny departs the political stage. I think there isn't anybody in Leinster House who thinks that the Taoiseach will be leader of Fine Gael this time next year. He will either leave by the summer, and if he doesn't leave by the summer, uh, the party will come to get him, effectively. Uh, but he's astute enough to know when to go, I think, and he will be gone by this time next year. Michael Noonan has openly said to people around the place that myself and Enda are going to leave together. And he a refrain of his that he often says, I've heard him say it myself, is that, um, myself and Enda are leaving the party in a good state so he sees this as a generational change that himself and Kenny go for Adker Coveney take your pick takes over so there's a that generation then goes down again to Simon Harris so they're going to leave together and believe that they left the party in good enough Nick And in relation to that Pat another way in which budgets are often framed or perceived is who are the winners and losers at the negotiating table uh, and that's particularly interesting at the moment because we do have a leadership contest. If it's not already in train, it's certainly it's certainly looming large. I mean, looking at the looking at the process over the last over the last while, Pascal Donoghue is a more prominent and significant and senior figure in Fine Gael than than he was a relatively short time ago. I, I'm before I come to that, I'm, I'm somewhat taken with Fiek's image of Michael Noonan and Enda Kenny departing into the sunset, almost like Thelma and Louise uh, here, departing to yeah. <laughs> the stage. Um, uh, but you're right about uh, Pascal Donoghue, that he has been absolutely central uh, to the construction uh, of this budget. But I could have told you that he would be when he was appointed Minister for Public Expenditure. That's what Ministers for Public Expenditure do. But I think if I think if this budget, it's not going to be a spectacular budget, but if it's seen as a steady budget, if it's seen as a cohesive budget that, that 
that contributes to the continuation of the government. And it's not so long ago since we were sitting around this table talking about would this government last? It hadn't even come back after its uh, after its summer holiday. The doll wasn't back after its summer holidays. Then it was split over uh, the Apple judgment. It was split over Waterford Hospital and so forth. So if the budget does as much as it can reasonably be expected to do, I think that will, uh, I think it may push Pascal Donoghue in terms of the leadership stakes, if not right up there beside um, uh, Simon Coveney and Leo Varadkar, then certainly it will push him into a position where he will be seen as possibly a viable compromise candidate. Well, exactly. Between, if you, if you, you between know, As, the as two. often happens in these mm. circumstances where people start looking for an alternative to the... Mm. To it the should be said that uh, Pascal Donoghue yeah, has told his friends, he's told, the, he's told the parliamentary mm. party, he's told anyone who asks him the question that uh, he will not... Um, uh, he will I not know, only only two days ago we had Robert Harris in this room and he was telling me all about how nobody wants to be Pope when they all go into the Sistine Chapel. Mm. They all swear that. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he said it numerous times but the, the the longer uh this question is not settled so like you know the longer and the Kenny stays as leader mm. the, the better it would be for Pascal's chances if through a leadership election at Christmas he wouldn't feature but if it's a year and a half away I mean possibly two budgets under his belt then he becomes a, a much more credible candidate but I don't think it will happen for him this time. But the there are some people, of mm. course, who in the parliamentary party who believe that Pascal would be Enda's choice. They, but uh, uh, then again, people attribute to Enda things that may not be true. Mm. So. Well, I think we'll leave it there. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Uh, you, you now know everything that there is to know about the budget, so you don't need to tune in on, on Tuesday. But if really, if you must, we will be covering it in great depth on irishtimes.com. We'll have further podcasts and all kinds of other things to follow. Thanks very much to Fiek and Pat for joining me. And that's it for this edition of Inside Politics. Remember, if you are listening to this podcast uh, on iTunes, it's great if you rate or review it. We really welcome that as it gets it out to a broader audience. Remember also that you can email me at hlinahan at irishtimes.com or find me on Twitter at hlinahan and your views are always welcome. But thanks to our producer Declan Conan and engineer JJ Vernon. And until the next time, goodbye and thanks very much indeed for listening. 